Nitesh Jeff, and I am a mindfulness and meditation practitioner, author, as well as an inspirational speaker. And this is In Conversation with the Masters. And in this series, I will be in conversation with open-minded, open-hearted, and conscious living people from across the globe who will be answering some of life's most profound questions. And today, I am very blessed and lucky to be talking to Kim Knight, who is an entrepreneur, a life coach. She is a coach to the coaches. And Kim specializes in helping businesses reach six-figure incomes. And I have been privy uh, to have done some of... Uh, some of Kim's, uh, uh, some of her seminars, and I've also spoken to some of the people who have managed through, through her teachings, reach six figures. So I'm so excited, Kim, that you've made time to have a chat with us today. Welcome. I'm really, really excited to be here. Thanks, Tish. This is uh, quite an honor. Thank you. I hope people really understand uh, the value that you bring, that you are going to be really bringing to uh, this conversation today. So please grab a pen and paper, take some notes, because this is pure gold that Kim will be sharing uh, with us today. We're going to be going into our mind and uh, let's see what we can extract, the wisdom and love that we can extract from you today, if you would allow. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Kim... Let's start off with this question. What is the definition of an entrepreneur? Because a lot of people add this title uh, to their name, thinking that they are an entrepreneur. But a lot of people are just business owners or just business managers. What makes yeah. an entrepreneur an entrepreneur? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, because you, you're so right, I don't think uh, an entrepreneur is just a business owner uh, or an, a self-employed uh, self-employed person. I think it's someone who, no matter what, look, I don't know if this is a, if this is what the dictionary says, but no matter what, their dream and their vision for how it can be is far greater than any obstacle uh, or resilience they may face in their lives. And there's just something that propels them and pushes them forward despite all the, the challenges and, and, and obstacles. Um, because also because they, they can actually see the end vision and because they're very creative and there's an innovation of, uh, about them that you don't just find in, every, in any self-employed person or any business owner. I think it's that creativity, but not only the creativity, it's actually making the creativity happen. That is the secret because, you know, there, there are lots of people's, uh, people, sorry, with lots of ideas, but ideas are actually, we come up with amazing ideas, Itesh. I mean, some ideas yeah. are just like out of this world ideas, but the thing is, who actually makes those ideas happen? Who actually makes those ideas happen? And it's entrepreneurs that actually do it. You know, someone will say, gee was, you know, I had that idea 10 years ago and I didn't do anything about it. And then someone came up with the idea, actually did something with it, and now, you know, has like a multi-million business or something. That's what I think the difference is, that they take the idea, they can 
imagine it happening and are prepared to put their time, effort and money on the line. And sometimes in a big way, sometimes it's very costly. I'm talking family time, you know, my, my family are my two little doggies and my family down in, in Cape Town. Um, you can literally work, I know entrepreneurs and I've done it, like working 18 hours a day, you know, yeah. sleeping in the, in the garage, whatever, to make it happen. There's such a drive in an entrepreneur. It's like an uh, entrepreneur heart. The heart seems to be different to yes. someone who owns a business or self-employed. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. Um, mm. that's what, that is what is, uh, sets them apart. There's something in that entrepreneur heart that just will not let them settle for anything less than what they you know, envision. So these are, these are actually very special people, special, you know, in, in, in that they have to have this heart of gold, but they have to also have this courage to not give up, to be able to face some kind of demon every day of their lives, because every day is a battle, because they have to be able to get up and just keep fighting, because it's not an easy road. Uh, Hitesh, like 100%. It's so interesting you say that because I, I put a, a post on Facebook just yesterday about what makes an entrepreneur different. And it's about that courage. Um, you know, um, I'm sure maybe you've experienced it, but there are times where when you wake up in the morning, you know, you can't pay the electricity bill, you can't put food on the table, you don't know how you're actually going to make it through the next hour, never mind the month. And somehow you draw on something in you that gets you through that next hour. And the interesting thing is, you know, it's, 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 it's about not quitting when everything on the table says you should quit. Everything seems that you should quit and it's not quitting then. And it's so interesting because I know people that it's happened to entrepreneurs that in the next two hours or the next 24 hours, the deal that they've been wishing for all their lives actually comes through. So that also, um, once you start building up your resilience and when you have those terrible moments, there's something in you that tells you, don't quit too soon. Don't quit too mm. soon. Because I put in all these years and that deal, that contract, that whatever it may be, could be, around the corner, literally around the corner at five minutes, 24 hours or the month. Um, so yeah, that's what I've found. It's, it's not quitting too soon. And that yeah. courage, you know, the courage. It sounds as if you are saying that you cannot become an entrepreneur. It's like you have to be born with some of these values because once you once you awaken to, or once you realize, you have this self-realization that I am an entrepreneur, you cannot not live a life as an entrepreneur because you're always thinking and planning and finding ways in which you can either make money or you can serve people. Is that right? Because I think being an entrepreneur is about wanting to serve. Yes, yes. That's an interesting question. I, I really do there's two two legs to this. I do believe that you, you're just born that way. You know, I didn't know I was an entrepreneur because when I was born, that word didn't exist. In fact, in South Africa, you know, 
up until 10 years ago, it really yeah. was not a, a, a word, you know, now it's mm -hmm. an everyday word. Um, and we were not brought up in society to be entrepreneurs. We were brought up to go and get a job, et cetera, et cetera. So even if you were an entrepreneur, you didn't know it because the word didn't exist. And any mm. crazy, crazy ideas you had, your parents or your friends or your peers would say, are oh, you crazy? You can't do that, you know? Um, you've got a degree, you need to go and teach or whatever it may be. Um, but when I look back at my life, I saw that I think I, I was about 10 years old where I started on the entrepreneurial journey or realized, I realize now that that was me being an entrepreneur. There was always something more that I wanted. I always had my own little thing going on. You know, I would, I would clean the house for extra money for my mom. That was my first sort of entrepreneur endeavor. And all those extra cents I would put in the savings bank back, back in the day, it was in the post office. You know, then I delivered newspapers. Then I, there was always something that I was doing. I realized, you know, way back then I was an entrepreneur. So I do think you're born that way. And sadly, if, if you don't realize it, you know, you can really get lost uh, in, in the world of, of employment and feeling unhappy because you don't actually know that you're an entrepreneur. So I think you're born that way. I also think it is from what I've discovered, if the person really wants something and is willing enough, you can become a um, And what I mean by that, you know, nowadays uh, not on, are not um, set in stone. Many people are being retrenched, etc. Yes. And they almost, uh, yes. some people that I know have been forced to start businesses because they've been retrenched. They're not entrepreneurs. They prefer doing whatever they're doing, having a great job, etc., etc. But now they're forced into the situation. So this is what I'm doing. Through my programs, or you immerse the, the 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 person into entrepreneurship, into what it means by being an entrepreneur, and slowly, slowly they start developing the mindset, the understanding, and the resilience of what it means to be an entrepreneur. And I have seen that happen. That a person has come from a, a corporate background, didn't really want to be an entrepreneur, but been immersed in it started to love it and like you know there's no turning back but for that to happen you've got to really be prepared for the long haul for the hard haul and you've got to be willing you know you've got to be willing so when you've lost your job or when you when you've been retrenched whether you like it or not your willingness has been forced and many an entrepreneur has been born out of that as well i have actually met many people who find the idea of being an entrepreneur very sexy, very attractive, you know? But the moment they get into it, they realize, no, hold on, a nine to five serves me much better. But th there is no doubt that you can take a man or a woman and, you know, by simply giving them the right tools and techniques, they can become whatever it is they so desire with their heart. I love that, Hitesh. It's, you're so right. I mean, if it applies for anything else in life, why can't it apply to entrepreneurship? But 100%, um, and I know you love the mindset and the power of the mind stuff, which I do as well, but it's mm -hmm. all about the right tools. If you give that person the right business tool, the essential business tool, plus you work on this, the yes. mindset, the emotions, the mental stuff, 
uh, all of that, and you put them together like a tapestry, and you're willing, okay, then you 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 set it, you know, you you set for success. Not that the success is going to be easy, yes. you know, uh, but you are set, yeah. I just want to clarify one thing here when it comes to the definition of being an entrepreneur. Would you say that the owners of a company such as Checkers or even Spa, would you regard them as an entrepreneur or, or are they business owners? I just want to quickly share that okay. my feeling is that they are okay. not entrepreneurs because they have you know, their focus is on just growing the one business. For me, being an entrepreneur is having multiple, uh, multiple kind of businesses. Would you agree or would you add to that? Would you, or would, yeah, that's, would you that's, an interesting, that's an interesting question. So let's take Spa, for example, because Spa is huge all around South Africa. And I, I, I'm mm -hmm. not sure globally, but definitely around South Africa. And people can buy into a spa, right? So spa has yeah. been created. They obviously mm. also started off smallish, but now, you know, business owners go and buy a spa uh, franchise, let's say. Um, I, I know, you know, the person who bought the spa up, up from me. Now, for me, that's not a, a true entrepreneur. And I really don't mean this in a bad way, but I'll tell you why, because an entrepreneur has one master. That master is themselves. They are completely accountable to no one else. No one's going to pay the bills. No one's going to force them to work. No one's going to get them out to network. It's completely me, the entrepreneur. Whereas when you have any kind of, let's say, an organization that you buy into or franchise, even a licensure, but a licensure you've got more uh, room to play with, you have two masters. You have you. But you also have those masters that you're accountable to, you know, the spa organization, the KFC organization, whichever franchise it is. So you cannot do exactly what you want to do. They might give you some license, but you, you have to follow a certain formula. So it's not yours. You are not the only decision maker. Whereas a, a company on its own, you have to make, or whether you like it or not, you are the only decision maker, you know, until you have your team and everything. So, no, I, I wouldn't regard that as, as an entrepreneur. I would say it's a, it's a business owner. Great. I really love that answer. And that brings so much of clarity to what is an entrepreneur and what is not an entrepreneur. So I'm going to pose a small challenge to you and ask you if, let's try, can we name 10 values in which an entrepreneur has to have in order to label themselves as an entrepreneur. And I'm, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna actually get the ball rolling here. And you said you have, to be, you have to be creative, you have to be resilient, uh, and you have Sorry, to be- I about the dog. No worries, no worries. And you have to, you have to be, you have to have the desire, you have to have courage, and you have to have the desire to serve people. So I've got four. Four, create, to create, be resilient, have courage, and the desire to serve people. Can you add okay. another six to that? Okay, so let's look at that. Definitely the right mindset. 
you know, if you come in at, at a, a, with a mindset of making quick money, I think you're going to have a serious challenge. Okay. So the mindset of an entrepreneur, which you can also grow as we discussed, mm -hmm. um, and the belief, I can if I think I can. The belief yeah. that you can actually make this happen. Um, I think you also need to be um, willing to, in, to invest in yourself. So a lot of people want, want to make the money, but they don't want to spend the money to make the money. Um, you know, to spend the money, to spend the time, to self-educate, upskill, et cetera. So education, I would say education is a big, big one. Um, let me think now. Ah, oh, okay. A big one, Hitesh. I, I have seen this actually bring entrepreneurs to their knees is time management. Wow. Yeah. So they have to really start managing their time and being being good time managers of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, poor time management is 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 really quite uh, well known in entrepreneurship. Um, I think that's a big one. Um, and also they have to be prepared. I don't know where this fits in. We on values, but um, you have to know that, especially in the beginning, you're going to wear many hats. So the you know the value of being being willing to take that on, yeah. Um, because, uh, and and also throwing the um, uh, uh, what what's the word that I was looking at um, sort of a sense of of entitlement that yeah. somehow it's just going to land in your lap. You know we have to get rid of that. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. When when you're working at a job. You know, the lead is put on your desk and Kim, you need, yes, yes, your, your lead, go and do the work. That's not going to happen. So we have to get rid of all of that. We've got to be open, very open to new ideas, to new thinking. Um, and, and also very important to to be, to get out of our comfort zone, to go and play in the unknown. Um, you know, because that's actually, that's where it all happens, especially with entrepreneurship. So people are very comfortable where they are. We need to get uncomfortable. Um, so really the value of, of, a lot of people have the value of certainty. They like certainty. We, we were actually born that way. You know, some people are better at it than not uncertainty. So we have, yes. sorry for that. We have to almost embrace the value of uncertainty because there is a lot of value in uncertainty. I'm not sure uh, where we are, Hitesh. Uh, I think we've gone well beyond 10 here, but I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if people just listen to the last five minutes and just focus on what you shared with all of these values, that is enough to give them a head start with, um, with uh, their dreams of actually becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, so, uh, Kim, thank you so much. That's uh, really, really valuable. But I want to flow into a question that has been troubling my mind now for the last six months, or maybe the last year, actually. And that is, can, is it possible that everybody can be rich? And I've asked a few people this question now. And everybody has given their own sort of take on this. And I'd like to hear your take. Is it possible for every single person 
to actually be rich. So if you had to teach me a set of tools or teachings, mm -hmm. or if you had to teach a thousand people, is it mm -hmm. possible that a thousand of those thousand people will become rich? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, it's not really possible because every four years we have the Olympic Games. And every one of those, every one of those athletes all train really hard. They have the best mm. coaches. Mm. They put in the time for training. You know, they're eating mm. right. Of course, they have to be eating right in order mm. to get to that mm. state. What separates the people that come out first, second, and third in those races to the people that don't? And what separates, in this context, what we're talking about businesses and, and entrepreneurs, how mm. come, even though mm. you might teach me the tools, why mm. don't I make it? Mm. Why can't mm. everybody be rich? Yeah. Well, I love that question. And, and, and as you say, you've been thinking about it for a while. It's such a valuable question. And I'll also mention a book I read on, on something like that recently. But you, you know what, Itesh? The short answer is no. The, the, no. the short answer is yes. It is possible for anyone and everyone to achieve that. But in the same token, no, because we can give someone all the tools in the world but there are a lot of other factors that come in play um you know first of all uh, uh, the, the one that um that you mentioned about the olympics it is also about ability you know so if a person really really wants even if they really really want something but they don't actually have the ability to do that that is not their strength they need to look at something else. So I think that, you know, they need to play where their strengths are. Now, if you've been playing in the wrong strength, it doesn't matter, you know, about all the tools and your mindset and whatever, you will be successful, but not as successful as someone else. And I'm sure if you just change that direction to where your strengths really lie, and not only, um, you know, the, the, your, your actual ability, but also the strength of the heart, the heart is pushing in a certain direction you will see a difference. Also, um, Hitesh, there's so many, you know, I read this book, uh, The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. And that fascinated me. And I think you should read that book because it's going to answer your question, a lot of it. There are so many outlying factors. You know, you can be born into the same family. There's the story about uh, a, a twin brothers were born into a family, the, the father's an alcoholic. Oh, yes. Okay, you know the story, right? Yes, but so yeah. but please share, please share okay. this so everybody. Sure. Knows. So the father's a, 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 a terrible alcoholic, and and if you know anything about alcoholism, it 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 destroys lives. Okay, mm -hmm. twin brothers were born, and the one became a very very successful uh, um, business owner, very successful in his life, and the other son became exactly like his dad a down and out alcoholic and they interviewed these two boys and the person who was successful said you know look at your life how did you even make this happen and his answer was well coming from what i came from there was no ways i couldn't be anything else but successful there was no ways that i wanted to live the kind of life my dad mm -hmm. lived right so that's how his mind sought they asked the other son that the twin you know mm -hmm. 
what made you turn out the way you did? And he said, well, look at my family. Look where I came from. Look what my model was. I couldn't be anything other than what my dad was. So it's perspective. It's how you see it. But also, Tess, you know what I think is so important is we have a situation like those boys had the situation. And they each, with their own minds, make up the story of what that means to them. So the one story was, I cannot be like that. I will never be like that. I need to be different. The other story was, this is my model. This is all I see. There is only one way I can be. This is my lot in life. I was born into it. So it depends on what story you go with. Isn't that fascinating? So whatever story we have developed around anything, around money, success, around relationships, um, uh, you know, that kind of thing, the story may not be true. We've made it true. We've latched onto an idea of that story. And now we're making it. You know what's scary? We're making it our lives. So we have to go back to the story, investigate there, and ask, is it true or not? Is it just a story? Yeah. I... So I... But, uh, uh, Hitesh, in that book, there are so many outlying factors that have a role to play. You know, depending on the era you were born in, depending on which country, which climate, uh, the, it's, it was absolutely fascinating how all of these things depending yeah. on whether technology was available or not, et cetera, et cetera. D depending on some beneficiary coming out of the blue and putting you through university or not, you know? Um, so there are many, many outlying factors that actually do have a role to play. Yes. Yeah, yes. you have actually answered it really perfectly that, you know, there are, there are, there are so many factors. They are just, there. in fact, there's an, actually there's an, infinite number of variables that decide, you know, uh, what actually happens. And I've been calling it very loosely luck that, you know, and, but luck can mean like so many things to it, you know? Yes. Yes. And so you'll love that book, uh, uh, Hitesh, because he talks about luck because a lot of, a lot <laughs> of it, quite frankly, is about luck for the lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because of all of these outlying factors, you know, he goes into um, millionaires' names that we know and don't know, that he actually uh, defines the science of it. Looking at the years certain people were born, if they were male or female, and if you happen to, yeah. you, all of those kinds of things, which is luck, of course. And then, of course, you've got your own personal perseverance and determination. Um, yes. But also he speaks about people in the book who had that determination and persistence, but they just never made it. And then, yeah. of course, he goes back into the history and we can look at certain things. Very, very interesting. And I think it really comes down to how you wish to live your life. Because I don't know if I'm going to make one million dollars, but... I'm not going to sleep in my bed every day and not get up and just try. You know, I'm, I'm going to put in the effort and I'm going to put on my running shoes and I'm going to run. I might not finish the race, but I'm not going to sit in on my behind and not run. I'm going to wake up and run anyway. 
and yes. who knows so there's a certain drive in you yeah uh, that will not allow that to happen. And I always say, I know this gets a little bit morbid or, or could, Hitesh, but this always scares the heebie-jeebies out of me in mm. that I do not want to be on, you know, on my rocking chair one day on the porch because that is going to happen, whether we like yeah. it or not. I, I pray that I'm in my 90s when that happens. And I think that I will be in my 90s. But I don't want to be sitting in that rocking chair or lying God forbid, in a hospital bed somewhere. And in that moment, think to myself, if only I had. Yeah. If only I pushed myself a little bit further. If only I had taken a little bit of risk there or just, you know, pushed the envelope a bit or, or didn't quit when I did. Because nothing, I just got goosebumps now, nothing can take that back, Hitesh. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. You know? So, what drives me as a coach, I mean, I don't delve in, the, I don't dwell in the negative, but I think negative is actually also very useful uh, to, to get to places you want to be. So my, my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears is regret. I don't want to regret, you know? And, and, and so that kind of drives me not to, I, I, I at least have to, like you said, try, just try and do it, you know? At least when I get to the end, I know I've given it my all. Absolutely. Never, never, ever so, live so, your life. Yeah, go on. Sorry, Tish, I just had a thought about entrepreneurs yes. and, and where uh -huh. we're heading here. I think number one, mm. all, all the things that we've talked about, the values, the abilities, the non-abilities, whatever, we need to show up. If we want this, we need to show up. And it cannot be what I've discovered through working with people. They don't know it themselves. But what they want is more of a wish. They wish it to be, but they don't understand what they need to yeah. do to make that wish a serious mm -hmm. want. So first of all, you need to really dig deep and say, is this just a wish? Somehow magically I would be a successful business owner or entrepreneur, or is it seriously something you want for yourself and nothing else will suffice so we got to we, you know a lot of people wish i wish i was five kilograms uh, lighter i wish i were uh, you know i wish i could run the comrades i wish i could it's just a wish you know so we've really got to we've got to get down and dirty with ourselves and determine is this just a wish because that's too exhausting i must let it go and just rather live my life or is do i really really want this and if I really, really wanted, what am I prepared to do to go out and get it? Absolutely. It has to be a strong desire to want to actually go out. Because a wish is very weak. You know, it's like a very, it's a very, it's a very diluted dream. You know, your dream has to be so powerful that it wakes you up in the morning, that you don't need an alarm to wake you up. That's when you exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little secret here. Maybe you've experienced this, Hitesha, we, we all have. But yeah. a wish is actually very, um, uh, uh, um, very, not only exhausting, but it can send you into depression, in fact. Because when you wish something, you keep on wishing, you keep on wishing, but nothing's happening. You know, 
So it's just not a good way to be. And you, you don't understand why it's not happening. It's because you're just wishing. There's no implementation, no action, no nothing. So we've just got to be willing to put our gumboots on and actually do something about it if, if the desire is that strong. Absolutely. There are a few things that I want to share with you because I have been making notes as you are also talking. You know, there was a, just very quickly, there was a study done, you know, where they had interviewed people on their deathbed. And the one thing in common which they all had was regret. They all had that regret. So as you are sharing, do not live your life so that you get to the end of it and say, I, I wish I had, you know, mm. do it now kind of thing. And the other thing that I wanted to share with you, talking about uh, the, uh, the outliers and all of the variables that we have, and I always had the thought that you can teach me to play the piano, but you cannot teach me how to make a masterpiece. You know, that's the feeling that I have. And I feel, you know, you have to, ha you have to sort of be, there. it has to, it comes down to that element of luck and luck can mean so many things. But I think I can learn how to paint, but I will never be a famous author. I will, yes, I will never yes. be, yeah, I, I, will, I will never be Michelangelo. Yes. Picasso. So there's almost, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, if we look at, you know, um, uh, I always forget his name, Steve Jobs. You know, he, there's, there's almost, because anyone can learn the computer. Anyone can learn to paint. I've actually been to painting classes. But just like you, I'm nowhere near a Michelangelo, okay? But we can learn how to do it. There is actually a formula. But the difference is, you know, a masterpiece on the piano or painting or entrepreneurship, there's almost, there's something in you that you are that, you are yes. that. And yes. there is an obsession with it. Mm. There's like this white hot obsession. You, you know, wherever I go, I'm looking at businesses, I'm talking to business, like I'm, I'm almost obsessed, with, you know, what they're thinking, how can they improve? How can mm. they, you know, be successful? It's, an, it's not just a sideline. It's just my passion. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. almost like an obsession, you know? I, I don't know if that makes sense to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of, the, all of the really great people that have existed were really obsessed, obsessed with their work. And sometimes not in a good way, but they were really eat, sleep, and, you know, eat, uh, drink their, their passions. Yes. They just couldn't be any other way, you know. Um, you know, when I look at certain people, and they might have regrets. You know, I wish I had spent more time with family and, you know, whatever the regrets, regrets may be. And maybe they shouldn't have been family people in the first place. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. it's almost when it's so deep, um, it's, it's almost, I suppose, almost like an addiction. So you also have to manage that. You know, because we don't want something that 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 is harmful to you. Yeah. Um, but you also need that strong, strong drive that you're gonna do yeah. it. You can do it. You will do it. I can if I think I can. I will do it. You know. I want to share a very short story that's linked to what you shared earlier on about the two brothers. You know, or 
the two siblings earlier on. And it's a very short story. And I'm, I'm sure you actually may know it, but not, I don't know whether this is a true story or not, but I think it's a very fascinating story that Nike sent one of their salesperson into Africa. And uh, so the person came to Africa, had a look, and he went back to Nike and said, look, Nike, in Africa, nobody wears shoes, so we can't do any business here. So they sent another sales guy to Africa, and he came back to Nike, and he said, guess what? Nobody wears shoes in Africa. We are in business. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love that story, wow. you know. <laughs> That is, a, isn't that an amazing story? I mean, such yeah. a uh, such a good example, uh, Hitesh, of exactly what we were talking about. Same situation. The situation hasn't changed. It's the way we view it, right? And talking about Nike is, you, you know, you, of course, everyone knows the signature, the, the logo of Nike. Um, I, I can't remember the details. I read this not too long ago, but they were trying to come up with the logo for Nike. and. Uh, they were just not getting it right. And I think it was a woman who just, they had, you, you know, they were just exasperated and like enough already. We can't find this proper logo. And she just kind of did that. <laughs> like enough already. Okay. Yeah. And there we go. There we go. So yes, another thing is, is not to overthink things, not to overanalyze into, you know, overanalysis leads to paralysis. Yeah. Um, I've seen as well. So, you know, when you've got an idea, yes, analyze, look at the risk, et cetera, et cetera. But the most important thing, especially for entrepreneurs, is we need to take action on that. You cannot let it be an idea on the paper because in the energetic quantum field, if that idea is in my head, it's not. And if I don't do something about it, guaranteed someone else is going to come along, lock into that idea, and they're going to run with it. You know, so we have to really do something about it. Great, Kim. Thank you so much. I want to shift now the energy of the conversation a bit um, into getting a, a little bit philosophical here. I want to pick your brain and ask you what would happen or what do you think would happen in a society in which no one had to actually work and everyone was provided with food, water, shelter, uh, healthcare, everything for free. What do you think would happen to that society? I mean, do we, do we, uh, do we need money? Are we really motivated by money? Oh, what are your thoughts? I, I don't want to put any, uh, mm. any ideas into your head. I just want you to speak. Clearly. Okay. So that's, that's quite a very interesting question. Um, and I mean, we haven't talked about this before. So this is really just what I'm thinking. But what I'm thinking is that we'd have a very sad society. Uh, and I mean, literally sad, depressed society. Because there's something innate in human beings we were born with um the need to improve we were actually so if everything's given to us and there's you, we don't have to really work for anything etc etc there's no so we, everything seems right but it's not and we don't know what it is and i think it's because the soul is speaking to us and saying 
you need to improve, you need to upskill, you need to do show something for your life. But in that kind of society, it wouldn't exist. Okay. Another thing about the money, you, you know what he says, this is my thing. I, it doesn't matter whether it's money or whatever it is. It happens to be money. But we need something like money to track our progress, to measure our progress. So I was just thinking about this the other day, that money is not everything, although I, I don't say that lightly, because it is everything if you can't put food on the table. Okay? You know, we, you know what I'm talking about. So it's, we don't say these things lightly because number one is survival. But what I mean is, even we know there's so many stories about millionaires that are unhappy, people that commit suicide. So money's not everything, but it sure is a way to track if you're actually progressing on your goal or not. So if it wasn't money, it would be something else. We need to test and measure. You know, am I improving? Am I reaching my goal? And money is one of those ways to track it. Um, so it's quite a great inspiration when I think of that because it's like, wait a minute, my account, I'm in my bank account now. It doesn't reflect what I want it to look like. Okay. Let's say I wanted 10 million in my bank account and I look at my bank account and it's 1 million. That's telling me something's wrong. You know, it's telling me how am I showing up? If I want 10 and there's only 1 million, so it's a good way of tracking and, and, and measuring against myself and, and progress of your business, whatever it may be. Um, and of course, so uh, I, I, I lost my train of thought there, but mm -hmm. um, in, in a society like that, and, and you know what they are, I really don't want to go into it because I don't want to speak untruths, but I know, yes. I'm not sure if it's in Denmark or in Norway, but we can do some research. It's, it's northern, uh, in the Scandinavian countries. They have a very amazing so society, you know, and they're well looked after. But I was also reading an article on that, that the suicide rate is very high. And oh. of course, there are many variables, but the one variable is the people are bored because everything is taken care of, okay? And that's the kind of question you asked me right in the beginning, that when everything's taken care of, we become bored. We don't even know why, because nothing's actually wrong. Mm. Why am I bored? Because there, there's something in us, there's a drive in us that wants to always improve. Doesn't matter where we are. If we, if we get here, we want to improve from there to there, and so on. In a society that doesn't allow for that, I think yeah. we, we would be heading for some serious issues. Yeah, some it's... serious emotional and mental issues, which also then lead to physical issues, you know? You know, it's a question that does make me think, you know, and you can get lost in it because on the one hand, every, everyone should have access to at least clean water and food, a shelter to healthcare. At the same time, you know, what you are saying is right. And I, and I also agree that, you know, we need something to really aspire towards, something to really drive us to, to want to achieve. Because it's, it's, it's a fact that uh, most people die after they retire. Uh, um, 
of course, people will die, but people die after three years from retiring because they have no purpose now. There's nothing for them to actually do. They may have a lot of money in their bank account, but there's sort of nothing for them to do with their lives. And we, we need something to actually be. be yeah, be and they hadn't prepared for retirement, you know. So yeah. there, there, was a, there was a wish in their mind about when retirement happens, they would do such and such. But, they, you know, there wasn't any planning or really thinking mm. about it. But on the note of, of clean water and all that, that is, to me, that should be, that, that is a given that, that, that any human being on this planet Earth deserves, you know. Um, but yes, I think um, if uh, we, we need, yeah, we, we, we meant to be driven. Um, uh, I'll give you a quick story the other day. Um, there's, there's a lane next to my complex, which is really, really, dirty you know it's not a lane that people walk past yeah. and, and a lot of you know the street people use it for various reasons and etc etc i won't go into that but anyway uh what one of the ladies in, in the complex behind that lane actually there were three uh street kids that were hanging around and she asked uh you know if, if they would clean up the lane for some pocket money and stuff and you know what i saw it is because i watched these guys First of all, they did a fantastic job. They're young guys, maybe in their early 20s. But you know how proud they were when I said to them, look at this. This is amazing. And I actually asked them, how do you feel? Doesn't it feel good to do some good work? Doesn't it feel right to like, you know, work for something? They, they were beaming. You know, they were beaming. So it just, it's people, we need to do something. We want to make a difference, you know? And every day I look at that lane, I just think, and it took the, the guys, I mean, it was hectic. It took them about six hours, but you could see that they felt proud. They were acknowledged, they felt proud. They did something worthwhile that day. So yes. we, we, we do, yes. you know, I don't think we, we, we born just to do nothing and have everything done for us. We actually want to strive for something better. You know, there is a, there's an ashram in India. I can't remember the name of it right now. But what happens is that in this ashram, it's a, it's a, it's a actually a, a very large community. And in this community, they, there is no money. Money does not exist. Yes, Everyone that. stays yeah. there. And then there are people assigned to working in the kitchen where they would cook. There are people that are assigned to yes. teaching the kids and they do that. And they, you know, everyone has their role but they all have this understanding that they are going to work together. But yes. in the society that you and I live in, in, in the West, you know, there's what's going to happen when I want to go on holiday for one month, you know, somewhere yes. to some island, yes. or I want to buy this Ferrari. So I think there's a yes. lot of desire, greed, want, that maybe we need to yes. also work on. You know? Yes, definitely. Um, and, you know, I, I can't remember the name. I know of that ashram in uh, India. It's become apparently quite popular and very uh, quite famous now. Mm. Um, uh, um, and I think you, yeah, I, I don't know too much about it, but I did read a little bit up on that. Um, and they use the barter system, you know. So yeah. if, if yeah. I wanted some social media done, you would do this for me and vice versa. And I was very interested in that and I'm, because it seems to be very successful and I would love to visit one day. I think tourists are allowed, you know, you go and pay to stay there and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but 
a, a couple of years back, uh, Hitesh, I was also into this whole thing about, you know, I want to get away from money. I want to barter. I want to trade. Mm. And, and there's an organized, a worldwide organization. I can't think of the name now. I think it's talent.org or something. Um, mm. And I started trading my services online. So there's no money. You know, let's say I do a coaching session. I get a certain amount of credits. Let's say I get 10 credits. Then if I want to go and stay at a, at a hotel in Durban, I look for a, a hotel who's also on the system and you exchange yeah. credits. And look, this is, a, a, of course, not like the ashram, but I did that for about a year or so. And, um, and they still send me emails. Um, but it really, it was good to do because it, it didn't work for me. It, yeah. For me personally, and I know a few other people as well, because sometimes the value of exchange is not equal. Um, and also what I noticed, because I remember I was living, uh, I was in Durban and I went and I used a B&B on, on this program. And I mean, the, the quality of the B&B and the service and, you know, was, was not yeah. good. So it was, and then you were also limited in what you could choose. And I think human beings love, one thing about human beings is we love choice. Yeah. So when I wanted and I wanted to exchange my credits for a and I didn't have that much choice. So pros and cons. So yes, yes, a thought. You know, I'm I'm not about either or. I love the word and. Yeah. So is there yeah. a way to combine that idea with also making your millions? And I think, I think it's about the end of it, you know, and I think what that would do is address things like out of control greed, out of control power, you know, if, if it was a sort of a tapestry of those two, it would address all those um, emotions that get people into some serious trouble. Hmm. I don't think that any government is going to love the idea of having a system in which we actually trade and barter because we can't tax that. So no government is going to be open to that as yet uh, in the world that we actually live in. But I just want to talk a little bit about fair trade or talk a little bit about currency because I know that I can get a job here in Durban working for McDonald's and I'll probably earn about Let's talk in dollars here. I'll probably earn about $200 per month for just working a normal shift uh, in McDonald's here in Durban. If I have to go to the USA and go to New York, I know for a fact that I can earn about $1,500. So here we have the same people putting in the same amount of effort and work and time, yet the value of how much they get is not equal. What are your thoughts? Yeah on on that on you know doing the same work i mean sometimes we might even do the same work for coaching we might coach here in south africa for you know, let's talk rands now for maybe a thousand five hundred rands but i know that it may be in the u.s the guys will charge three four hundred dollars for yes. their time and i yes. know that you know this you know uh, yeah yes. so how do we yeah that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting question and um, in fact, it's one of my modules on, on my top six mastermind program. There's one word that comes to mind here, and that is self-worth. Mm. Self-worth. 
So, and, and especially that example with coaching, uh, Hitesh, it, it's true, you know, in, in the States, yeah, for, for, let's say, a coaching hour, nothing less than $175 or whatever. But here, um, we're we not. Uh, in South Africa, I charge what I would charge in the States because it's not about the country. It's about what, what value I'm giving yeah. and what value the client is receiving. So it's all, you know, that's a big thing, but it's, it's all about self-worth. And with, with so many um, entrepreneurs that I work with, this is the number one thing that trips them up. Well, let, let me put it this way. The number one thing that trips uh, entrepreneurs up from, from progressing to the next level is pricing. And pricing, when I, when I start working with that client, pricing is directly, almost directly related to self-worth. Yes, of course, there's a ceiling to certain markets, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are that good, and people want what you have, they will ignore the ceiling. I mean, you know, Anthony Robbins, people completely, <laughs> he completely ignores the ceiling. There is no ceiling with him, yeah. you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, he's so yeah. big that he can break through the ceiling anyway, you know, so there, there are absolutely no limits with him. And that's a really great exactly. attitude that he has. And, and the but, is what I want to come back to, because someone will say, Yes, but I mean, I live in South Africa and that's what McDonald's in South Africa pays, okay? So it really depends. If you value yourself that much and your dreams are so, as you say, strong, your desire so strong, you would actually start finding a way. I'm using this as, a, as, a, an, as an example. I cannot work for that in McDonald's in South Africa. I want to work for this amount. I'm going to find a way to get to the state and work at McDonald's there. Am I making sense? So if your self-worth is so strong, you are not going to settle. Yes, you might start there, but in your mind, it will always be, I'm going to get to the top McDonald's in the world and I'm going to work there and make my yeah. million. I've known people, there's, there's a guy I knew, uh, in fact, it was my first boyfriend's brother, Michael. Um, Back in the day, he started working for the Spur. Do you remember this? I mean, of course, the Spur, the South African Spur, Spur yeah. which is it's amazing. It's just like one of our uh, things, South African things. Yeah. And um, back in the day, and I just, and he used to work so hard, you know. I mean, we were still at school and all that kind of thing. And, you know, Spur gave, because his desire was so strong. And from Spur, he just, I didn't know at the time. But his thing was about learning, educating himself, and he had a dream to own his own restaurant. And now I think he owns about three or four, maybe more restaurants. He even owns the restaurant, up, uh, you know, the top of Table Mountain? Mm, yes, yes, yes. He owns that restaurant. <laughs> and this all started in the spur. You know, people would say, oh, spur, you know, just a, a waitering job. You know, you get your mm. tips and that kind of thing. Not if your mindset is different. He, he had a goal and he achieved it. I mean, it's amazing. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And that started in Spur. So uh, also people that started in McDonald's went on to do their own thing, became famous chefs and things like that. So really, it's, it's your dream, your self-worth and not settling for anything less. Not settling. That's a big one. We, we settle easily. We like the comfort. We like to be comfortable. Even though we don't like what the comfort is giving us, 
Yeah. The outcome yeah. is not great, but we still like the comfort. Yeah. The comfort zone. Yeah. I think that was so well answered. There was no way that I would have actually thought about that and uh, answering the question in the way you've answered. That if you simply don't like uh, earning that less in McDonald's, then go and get what you are worth. Then go and earn what you are actually worth. That's, that's really powerful. Thank you for, for, for sharing that. But if you would allow me to be a victim and just to complain a bit, because you know when I go out here with my friends, with my bros here in South Africa, we go yeah. out, we have a beer. We pay about you know, 12 rand to 15 rand, which is like a dollar, you know, for a beer. But when I travel to places like Australia, I, and I'm with my bros there, I, I always drink less because I'm paying like $10 for a beer. You know, it's, it's, yes. it, just, it just feels not fair because what's in that beer in, in, in that bottle is the same that I'm getting here. I mean, why, why do I yes. have to actually pay, pay, yes. pay more for the same thing? You know? Yes. And, and, and I really get that, you know, Tish, I've, I've lived in, um, uh, I've lived in quite a few places around the world for about 20, 25 years of my life and in, in different yeah. continents. So I've seen all of this play out and been part of it. Um, but, Yes, I get that, and, and that's, that, that, that's one of the, the kind of a negatives about being South African, if there's a negative, is that, you know, the, the salaries and the cost and the exchange rate. Yeah. I mean, just plainly the exchange rate. I believe it's yeah. almost 19 to 1 now. Um, but I also must say that when you, when you live in those other countries, that um, it's all, it is also all relative, you know? You're earning bigger salaries in many places, but the, 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 the expense of living is normally far mm -hmm. higher. Um, I've never lived in Australia, but I know that, especially in Sydney, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the rate mm -hmm. of living there or the, the expense of living is very high. So, you know, it does even out in a sense, but it makes it very difficult for South Africans to try and make it over there, especially initially, or, or even just to travel. I mean, mm. if you want to travel and go on holiday, you know, people just don't because the exchange rate is literally one to 20. And how can, you know, unless you've really, really got lots of money, how does, yeah. how does anyone do that? Yeah. We are approaching uh, our hour now, Kim, that we've been talking and I'm really, really enjoying this so much. Yeah, it has been, so much of fun, but I, I just want to ask you one question. And this is a question, maybe it's for the value of other people, but I think also for, for me, because I've never met anybody that's, uh, oh, I, I very rarely met people that have made like a million rand. You know, there are very few people. And I yes. think there are very few people that I can ask this next question to because I don't know them so well. We don't have this kind of a relationship with. But I would like to ask you, what does it feel like to wake up in the morning and have a million rand in your bank account? Or even if it's not you know, cash in your bank account, but knowing yes. that you have assets somewhere, in some way or form, yes. that amounts to mm. a million rand. I have not mm. made that million rand yet. And mm. I would, I just want a glimpse into the feeling that is when you wake up in the morning 
hey, I have a million rand in my account. You know, how does that feel? Is it is it is it as good as I think it is? Or that's a that's a very interesting question. I think there's a two pronged answer to that. I think for me personally, there's a difference in the feeling of having a million rand. If I tied up all my assets and I and I I, I valued that, and it's a million, a million five, ten, whatever it is, that feeling. But this is personal, okay? is quite different to opening up my bank account in the morning and seeing a million rand sitting there. Okay. And I think that resonates with you as well. So if the million rand is in assets, we actually almost have to remind ourselves that it's there and that I've, I've made that happen. You know, if I had to cash that in, it would be that in my bank account. For me, it's a different feeling. So I, I love the feeling of actually, of course, I want the assets for many reasons. Um, but I also love the feeling of seeing the, the zeros in my bank account. <laughs> so it's about building that up. But the feeling is, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, if we don't keep acknowledging ourselves and reminding ourselves and connecting the dots of, you know what, I'm actually making it happen. Last month I had 10 rand in my account. Now this month I've got 100. Now I've got 1,000. Mm -hmm. If we can't acknowledge those steps along the way, I'm telling you, Tish, when you get to a million, it will mean nothing to you because it's just like, it's not good enough, it's not good enough. I need to keep on going. So with each one, it's like last month was 10, this month's 100. Celebrate it. And of that 100 Rand, take 10%, which is 10 Rand, and do something special with it. You know, I can't even say buy a cup of coffee because that doesn't buy us a cup of coffee. <laughs> Whatever it may be, okay? And then when it's 1,000 Rand, you take 10% of that 100 Rand, and then you go and have your cup of coffee and maybe treat someone. If we don't do that along the way and get into the feeling of it now, when it's a million Rand, you won't feel anything because we don't know what it feels like. We won't know how to celebrate it. It's just like more, more, more. You know, now when it's 10 million, now when it's 100 million, then I'll feel that feeling. So, for, but this is very personal. For me, along the way, acknowledge the growth of it. Acknowledge the feeling. You know, last month I was so unsettled because there was no money in the account. Now I'm still unsettled, but I'm feeling a little bit safer. Am I making sense? Acknowledge yeah. the feeling yeah. of that growth um, so that when it gets to the million, you will know the feeling. Um, and it's a very amazing feeling to know that there's enough money in the bank account that if anything happened to me for a year, like it wouldn't touch sides and my business would grow. I'm just giving an example. That's not my case at the moment right now. Yes. But that's yeah. what I would love, that there is enough and there, of course, the business is growing in such a way that if you took a holiday for a year or if you just decided to take a sabbatical, like hands off, you know, and, and that money still stayed there because of careful investment, et cetera, et cetera, but also your business continued growing because you now know how to grow a business, isn't that the best feeling in the world? That is true freedom, you know? But long story short, doesn't matter how little it is, 10, 100 rand, 1,000 rand, 10,000 rand, 
you you have to connect the dots of how you made that happen and celebrate the feeling of that because believe me 100 rand feels a lot better than 10 if we can't celebrate the little things, we will not be able to celebrate and feel the bigger one. Absolutely. Your answer is worth a million dollars. That is such a heart-opening, mind-opening answer. I was expecting you just to tell me how great it feels, but you've shared with me, or shared with us, so much of wisdom just in that last few minutes. It's just incredible that you know, I don't think I'm going to feel more amazing when I make that one million uh, rand. It's, it's like just being grateful and feeling that feeling now, yeah. even for that 10,000. So when you gradually get there, because yeah. very rarely do people wake up and suddenly, ha, a million rand. You know, it's, it's yeah. slowly builds up, builds up, builds up. Exactly, exactly. It's a, it's pro, it's a progress unless you win the lottery. And, yeah. and uh, let me also share there, uh, I know our time's up, Hitesh, but um, we know all the stories. People win the lotto within a year, maximum three years. And I know someone personally, a friend of a friend, uh, uh, not a friend of a friend, uh, a cousin of a friend who lost it within a year. Okay. Um, because guess what? They didn't have the practice of what it, just what we were talking about. There was no budgeting. There was no money sense. There was no connection feeling to what that amount of money means and what you could do with it. So this practice along the way is so important because when you win that lotto, if you did, you would know what to do with it. It wouldn't be a foreign feeling. You wouldn't go moggy. You know, I know someone here in Glenwood. He had a, uh, can I quickly share this? Uh, yes, yes. True story. Mm -hmm. Um, he had a motorbike accident some years back and it wasn't his fault. It took years. I think it was 10 plus years. Finally, the, the, the lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. And he, and he was paid out. Uh, I, think, I, I think it was about 3 million. This was just a couple of years ago. Two, two years ago, Max. Guess what? He's basically still a street person. That money, I watched him squander that money here, there, and everywhere. He now has no money at all and just kind of, kind of somehow gets by. And he had, when, you know, when I saw that, that money came through, all I could think of, man, you could set yourself up for life here. But I knew because he didn't have the practice of it, what was going to happen. And unfortunately it did. Now, just on another note, when I worked in the state, um, my tax guy, in fact, um, just by chance, him and his wife never, ever played the lotto. They, we lived in North Carolina. They worked in South Carolina. So every Friday, they would drive from South Carolina to North Carolina, and they were at a gas station, petrol station. And his wife, for some other reason, said, let's play the lotto. They, they never played it, okay? Um, whatever change he had in his pocket, he played it. He won the lotto of 46 million. Oh. I'm sorry, but I almost hated him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was, it was seriously like crazy. And you know that he's, because him and his wife worked at the same company, they actually asked him to, to resign because of all the people, it was on the front page of the Sunday Times. So everyone just found out who he was and they were knocking on the doors, wanting money, blah, blah, blah. But long story short, 
because he was really savvy with money. He knew exactly what he was going to do with it. And he did that. And to this day, he is still that millionaire because he knew exactly what he was. You know, he had the practice, he had the muscle, he budgeted, you know, that kind of thing. So we have to build up that muscle. So whether it's 10 or 100 or a million. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you've ended there on such a really, really awesome note because I know that if tomorrow I win like $10 million, I'm going to give you $2 million to make sure that I don't lose the other eight. And I, 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 was I just, just want to share. Say, please come to me, Atesh. Please come to me. We want to make sure. <laughs> Let's set you up. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if if you if you want to manage your money, if you want to grow your money, if you want to grow your business, there is no one better than Kim. You know, to support you with that process. Kim is a real powerhouse. If you have an opportunity to just listen to her speak, go to her workshops please do. Kim, where can the people find you? Oh, thanks, Hitesh. And really, thanks for that. You know, I really do. I think, you know, I love what I do and I love my clients. Yes. And I just want the best for them. And, and too often, I, I think I believe in them more than they believe in themselves, you know. So we want mm. them to get to the point where it's like, I can do this and I will do the work. But my website is www.veryeasykimnightcoaching.com kimnightcoaching.com you can just contact me on the contact page uh, or many people now are communicating through my facebook kim night coaching you can leave a message there kim it's been a wonderful one hour with you i really hope that you are going to be joining us again because i would love to keep on having these type of conversations especially with you uh, so hopefully you'll be open and you know you'll have time Absolutely. in your schedule to, it's been to really, talk. really, it's been wonderful. And, and thank you for making it so easy and organic and natural. Um, you know, I was a little bit nervous <laughs> coming on, but you've made, it, you've, you've made it just enjoyable, really, really an, an enjoyable experience. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much. And thank you for watching or even listening. And if you love this conversation, please share it with everyone that you know, especially if you have friends that have a business. So I shall see you again in the next conversation.